The Touchdown City Podcast is presented by Salango Law, where you don't get excuses, you get results. Visit them online at salangolaw.com. From the Riverbank Studio, here's your host, Anthony Lewis, along with Avon Coborn and Derek Bailey. And this is the Touchdown City Podcast. Welcome into the Touchdown City Podcast presented by Salengo Law and produced in partnership with HD Media and the Charleston Gazette Mail. I'm Anthony Lewis at the Touchdown City headquarters, the Riverbank Studio in Nitro, West Virginia. In the studio with me today, Derek Bailey, Avon Coburn, Deuces. What up? I went to Morgantown yesterday. I saw your uh, your big mug up on the pillar. Ooh. I always like walking by that one. Me too. Who else did I see? Um, saw the Beasley one. Think, just people I know. Amos. Where's Amos is at? That's a good question. Is he on the same side as me or on the other side? Well, I don't know. I I'll, have no idea. I'll have to go look for it. But... Uh, Went to Morgantown yesterday, beautiful day in Morgantown, homecoming, tailgates were jumping, beer was flowing, they retired Daryl Talley's number 90 jersey, which we'll get to, and the Mountaineers fail to win for the third year in a row to Texas Tech. West Virginia 23, or 20, Texas Tech 23, 23-20 final score, Morgantown, 54,000 people there, good crowd, on time. Kind of loud. I mean, it wasn't Virginia Tech loud, but you know they had the sti- striped the stadium thing happening. It was the, it was it was quite deflating early. I mean, you mm-hmm. fall behind seventeen nothing, you get what you asked for. Oh, thank you for your uh, positivity so <laughs> that's, soon. That's what I mean. It's oh, facts God. though. You can't fall behind seventeen nothing. It takes the crowd completely out of the game. It it, it was tough to. Uh, so to be honest with you, we went down fourteen nothing. And I literally stood up and said to my family, I've already seen this movie, and I've what? seen this game. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take a walk. But and like, I went and walked around the stadium and, and ran into some people I wh- knew. wasn't like the last time. It was like 28 nothing in the first quarter of the last time they came. It was ugly early. I mean, it was real ugly. Yeah. Um, it, was the, it, was, it was the same movie from two years ago. And, and that's the, the part that is, um, I don't know, I don't know the word to really use, disappointing. Very disappointing. I, I was so disappointed in that game. I mean, just, just off of – you know, how they played the week prior. Um, I'm talking about both teams. You know what I mean? How, how they both, you know, they both played weeks weeks prior. And, and then it, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a dumpster fire. To come out and score zero points. Zero points in the first half against Texas Tech, coming off a 70-point performance from Texas. Houston, Florida International, and uh, Stephen F. Austin all scored more than 20 points against Texas Tech this year, and they all scored in the first half. That's embarrassing. You know, it's almost the same thing. Now, the thing is we just got to ride it out. But the issue, we know the issue. The issue is basically we've got quarterback issues and we've got a bad offensive line. But that's that's the thing I just I don't understand how the offensive line is bad. There's some talent there on that offensive line. Well, and sometimes I'm not necessarily – sometimes they're getting whipped, but sometimes, they, like yesterday, they get you in situations. And, and at uh, Oklahoma, 
it's third and one, you're getting ready to score, or you need a first down, and somebody jumps off sides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that's yeah. false start. Yep. That that's coaching. That's a coaching thing because they're not disciplined, and that is those guys not being focused, and that is an issue on the offensive line. It's happened. I can count, and I and I haven't even researched it. And off the top of my head, I know three in the last two weeks. Yeah, three. And, and and it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder. Um, you know, is that really one of the determinants that make makes a player, you know, a five star uh, type of a player? I mean, focus. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's that's something that that shouldn't happen. Like that's that's a. I mean, you you got to blame that on the coach. But uh, you know, obviously, the coach is not out there. You know, calling plays. So, I mean, not play, calling plays, but running plays. You can't play them for. You can't, you can't play, play for, for the players. I Absolutely. get it. But I mean, that's the, the thing is, is it it happens every single week. At what point, pull them, put somebody else in there. But here's the thing: what type of accountability is there? That's yeah. I mean, you pull know, them if they're not the, going to be in the old uh, football room. There was a board. Navon can back this up. Hmm. Had the offense and defense, and maybe even the special teams guys listed. Had everyone's name listed, and it had stats. And in the very last row, there was a thing called loaf. And it was basically unfocused plays, not running down on kickoffs, basically not blocking somebody, just not making a play, not hitting somebody, you know, loaf. A loaf, yeah. And then there was accountability. Yeah. If I remember correctly, didn't you guys have to go out and do like a circle and do up downs or and, something and, like that? And, it's, and it pissed you off because <laughs> when, when, when you got, you know, you get one loaf or no loafs, you know, you, you got to walk out in the middle and say, Avon, zero loafs. And, but then you'll go, you know, down the line and you, they'll say, you know, this player, 15 loafs. And you're like, Yo, what the? F-? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And wasn't it like so many up downs per loaf or something no, that the whole team had to do? Yeah. Everybody, oh, oh, you had to yeah, do an up down that, for every, everybody's loaf. That'd make me mad. Oh, so we got 15 loaves, we got 15 mad. up downs. But back I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's something. I would but hope. It obviously isn't tough enough it's a, because it's, it's a different, a, it's a different, it, I mean, you get you get in trouble for stuff like that now. It's, uh. a, it's a, well, that's that's very true too. I agree with that. You cannot be a disciplinarian type coach. That's why I've noticed most of the staffs around the country have gone to people other than the head coach being under 40 years old because they can relate to younger people better. Well, I can't relate. I can't either. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't mean, even play football at that level, but I just can't relate to that type of mentality. I, but one thing I will say is our defense again. Now, yesterday in the first half, it wasn't clicking for them. They were able to score, move the ball. Um, but here's the thing, too. The defense in the Big 12 Conference, you give up 23 points, you should win that's, football That's games. what I was about to say. Texas Tech, they're not, they're not known for a defense. They'll score points on everybody they play. They score – you know, they'll score points. They got 35 against Texas. I mean, you know, that's a good amount of points. Now, they gave up 70, but they got 35. They're going to score. If you hold Texas Tech to 23 points, you win the football game. Bottom line, you have to win that game. It's the same thing with Oklahoma. You hold them to 16, you have to win the game. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree with you, man. You know, that it, that, that watching, watching us go through the motions um, – and I'm I'm just gonna get into it. I, I think we lost to Oklahoma twice. Um, that could be very the you know, first half definitely. I, I, and and it just lingered. And I mean that's what I talked about. I, I was hoping that you know, coach said, "Look, man, look the way we played last week. We we played a number four team like we were a number five team in the country, and we we went out and we they we let them beat us twice. 
We let them beat us twice, and we didn't we didn't come back the way we wanted to. We didn't start the game off the way that I wish we would have. You know, with the mindset of man, we we were we, if they were number four, we were number five in the country, and we played it, and and we we they they laid an egg. I, I want to make I want to make this comment. It's like we lost the same exact way too. You get down there, and I don't know. I couldn't see it. I didn't go back and watch it over. He threw a ball to Letty Brown that looked like it was catchable in the end zone to go up by four, and Brown <laughs> dropped it on the sidelines. It reminded me of the play last week where he threw it to Ford Wheaton that was catchable. Could they have been better throw? Sure. But it gives you a lead late in the game. And then, of course, not the bag on the defense because they have played well enough to win all five games, and I'm not criticizing them. But when you needed a big stop in the last two weeks, they let him go the length of the field, kick a field goal, game over. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't let him score. Should have let him score late. When, to get the ball back. West Virginia should have let him score to get the ball back. Yeah, I go back and forth on that. We were it's, talking about yeah, that it's, tough, it's tough, but I mean. You know, it's, I go back and forth on the let him score thing because anything can happen. Um, you can fumble snap. Somebody anything. can fumble. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a proponent. I, I'm, I'm no, don't give no points. And, and, and you think about it because if they would have – if if they would have let me go, I would have ran down to the one yard line and took a knee. Well, but that's what. But that's the thing. I mean, that would have been the only hope you had is the kid would have scored because mm-hmm. you only had one timeout. So if he if he does that, then you're you're done. Either way, you're cooked. Right. I mean, you know. So, but it's just. I mean, I would have tried to. I'd at least tried that strategy when they got down there so far. I mean, we could sit here for the next forty minutes and really bag on the offense. We know where that's at, and and it's a problem. And here's the sad thing. And this, I think this is what set the tone for the first half. Defense comes out, Texas Tech marches down the field, gets it within the 40, I think, throws a pick. Offense gives you the ball. They give the offense the ball back. They get three and out. Yeah. Yeah. I heard. I think that set the tone for the day. It's just – I mean, that's another thing, the defense. You know, that's why I said I don't want to be too critical because the offense puts them in bad spots. Simple. They put them in bad spots often. That three and out, out, you know, initially was – was definitely a Debbie Downer. Like, I mean, it was ugly. It was. I mean, it was like they didn't even have a plan. To be honest with you, like it was like I don't. We don't know what they're gonna run, and it, it just it just looked like they just wasn't ready for it. That's the whole issue. For three years now, it looks like the team does not have an offensive identity, and I don't know if he need. I don't know. Is he calling the plays? Is Coach Brown calling the plays? I, I think it's fair now. Let me ask you. Let me ask you guys this: Is it fair now at this point? Point game five of season three to start questioning and being critical of Neil Brown. I not, say not necessarily the fans. I'm talking the people, the administrators themselves. Even sometimes as a staff, you've got to self evaluate. Um, and, in, and in general, I mean, is it is it fair to be critical of him at this point? Actually, go ahead, Avon, because you've been a coach before, so I'll let you answer this because I have my opinion too. Absolutely. I mean, outside looking in, absolutely. You 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 want to be you want to be as critical as possible internally. Um, you know, being being you know, especially internally, it te- it tears the it tears the the organization apart. Okay, my opinion on this, and I think it's absolutely just justified if you start questioning him for the simple fact this is the third year. We're in year three. What's the direction? You're telling us to trust the climb, and that's fine. Like, everybody's bought in to trusting the climb, but where? when does the climb start? It's year three, the same mistakes <laughs> on offense over and over and I, over. I feel like I'm walking down I the mean, street. Well, the si- significant improvements should start showing. I mean, I'm not saying to go out there and win every game 104 to nothing, but, I mean, you know, 
it, there needs to be strides that are made. Now, the defensive side of the ball, it looks like they've, they've made some strides, and I'll give him credit for that. But the offensive side of the ball, there has been zero improvement. Like, it's the same thing. We're losing games the same exact way we lost them in 2019 and in 2020. The Baylor game stands out in 2019. You lose that game 17-14. to 14. Well, the last two years or last two weeks now, you've lost 23-20 to 20 and 16-13. to 13. I don't expect West Virginia to ever become some juggernaut and average 55 points a game. But in today's landscape of college football, you need to be able to get to 30. We can't even get to 30. I agree. At this point, um, for me, Neil Brown's offense has no rhythm. They never are in a rhythm. Right. If you watch them, there's no steady movement. There's no nothing. It seems um, fragmented and discombobulated. Um, constantly, they have bad penalties. And, and that's a coaching thing to me. Bad penalties. The clock management is awful. It is awful. Who, th- just yesterday, who doesn't, who, who doesn't spike the ball with nine seconds left? That has nothing to do with. That has nothing to do with uh, uh, Neil Brown. Well, you can you can be yelling to clock it. Now I'm not but, saying. Now I agree. Yeah, the, the, it's a the, clock the, it. The head That's the head clock. coach that he might have been saying clock it. Now I agree with that. But that still like your quarterback has to have some like uh, what football IQ and spike the ball. You who, think he would? Who told the who and who told Wright to take a knee? I didn't understand that on the kickoff. He took a knee at the ten. Yeah, that was that was stupid. Well, he defended that in the press okay, conference, what, it, it, and he he actually called it a good play. He said reason being. Um, if he picks it up and runs with it, he gets 10 more yards. We lose 15 seconds. He was, it was a clock thing in okay. his brain. It, that's, a, that's, a, that's a decision that he has to make and live with, and it was coached. Oh, it was to, he was to, so he was told to kneel it. Okay, that's fine. I mean, I, just, I didn't understand that. Yeah, it was coached. To me, to me, I would want the ball in number one's hands to try to make a play in that situation. <laughs> I think they were trying to save time. Okay. Um, you know, bad timeouts. I mean, here's, here's another thing. Coaching. You come out, you put in you Colorado. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. I really did. Oh, my goodness. I'm glad you brought that one up because they lost that one 17 to 14. <laughs> yeah. So, Derek has done some homework. Okay. So, he's going to – we're going um, to go a little extra – and he's going to break some things down to you, some statistics. This is, this is where I have – criticism of the head coaching staff or the coaching staff just in general not anybody so I said you got to be able to get the 30 points in today's landscape I mean you know 30 is not a ton in today's college football so far Neil Brown is 13 and 14 at WVU he's beaten four teams overall with a winning record they are James Madison which I mean you can you know it's James Madison Kansas State um let me find the other two. There's two more. James uh, Madison. <laughs> James Madison, Kansas State, TCU. This year's Virginia Tech, but we're not counting this year. And uh, Army in the bowl game. The 30-point barrier has been reached six times. Six times. Once was on the last play of the game against Texas. Once against LIU Brooklyn. Once against Eastern Kentucky. The other ones are NC State, Kansas State, and Kansas. Six times. Six times for 30 points. I mean, you're 13 and 14. That's a, it goes back to what I said with trusting the climb. I think all Mountaineer fans are bought into trusting the climb, but when does the climb begin? I mean, if you can't get to 30, you're not going to win a whole lot of games in Big 12 play. Let's be honest. You're not. You're not going to win a whole lot of games in Big 12. And then if you take out the records without James Madison, the co- combined records of the teams he's beaten are 44 and 64. 
without Army, they're 35 and 61. That's incredible. I mean, that's just, it's not good right now. And it's, well, it's not good enough. I'm not saying, I'm not going to say it's not good. It's just not good enough. And again, I don't think any West Virginia fans expect juggernauts. It's just, there needs to be some direction and there needs to be some improvement. And it's, it's not showing right now. It's just not showing up. And I think everybody agrees with that. What the numbers show me are we're beating, we're beating, you know, the, the chumps and even the teams that are even halfway underneath of us. Or, or even the week, they had beaten Houston, Stephen F. Austin, and Florida International. And then Texas went out last week and did whatever Texas wanted to do and scored 70 on them. That's just not good. No, it's not. Well, let's take a break when we come back. Um, great weekend in Morgantown, although West Virginia didn't win. Uh, <laughs> it was really great to see Daryl Talley there. Um, they retired the number 90 jersey. And then later in the show, we're going to uh, look at some scores around the Big 12, and talk some college football. We'll do all that after this, but I'll remind you, if you're looking for a great place to stay in Morgantown, you should definitely stay at Murph's Landing. Check them out. It's only about a half a mile from the stadium. It's got two bedrooms, one bath, three three beds. Um, you can sleep up to six comfortably and squeeze somebody on the couch if you need to. But uh, if you'd like to rent that for football, basketball, or just simply visiting your kids, Go to mountaineerfieldhouse.com. I stayed there this weekend. Uh, we actually got out the cookware. Ooh. We were. Yeah, really was chefing. It I, there, man, huh? it, it, listen, this house is fully stocked with everything you need. Now they've added a grill and a picnic table outside. Hmm. They almost didn't get that. Almost lost it to squatters rights this weekend. I almost just stayed. <laughs> uh, changed the locks. <laughs> but nice. uh, yeah, you can rent that. Go to mountaineerfieldhouse.com. We'll be back after this. Don't go anywhere. Oh, oh mama mom said, mama mom said, my mama said, mama said that. My mama mom said that. My mama, my mama. Oh, mama said you ugly. Hey. The relationship between a lawyer and a client is based on trust. You have to make certain that the lawyer you hire has your best interests at heart. This is attorney Ben Salango. Just like the Mountaineers are fighting hard on the field, the Salango Law Firm will fight hard to win your case. Whether it's medical malpractice, automobile or trucking accidents, hiring an experienced lawyer will make a difference in the outcome of your case. When you hire my law firm, you get results, not excuses. Check us out at salangolaw.com. Located on Capitol Street in downtown Charleston, provides unlimited options for fun social gatherings and great dining. And the best nightlife in the city. Bar 101 has a full dinner menu, including wings, pork bowls, salads, and more. Be sure to enjoy a cheeseburger with fries with the draft beer for only $13. It's Bar 101's daily special, plus $1 off drafts during happy hour from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Bar 101 also provides carryout and catering. Call 304. 346 1101 or find Bar 101 on Facebook. Bar 101. Sagging, bouncing, or uneven floors? Standing water or high humidity? Nasty odors or dangerous mold? Crawl space problems don't get better with time, but they do get better when you call Alford Home Solutions. Welcome, stranger. What's up, guys? This is Anthony Beck, former WVU tight end, and you're listening to the Touchdown City Podcast. Welcome back to the Touchdown City Podcast, presented by Salingo Law, produced in partnership with HD Media and the Charleston Gazette Mail. I'm in the studio. I'm Anthony Lewis, and I'm in the studio with Avon Coburn and Derek Bailey. And our friends at Henderson Insurance, 
They are dedicated to providing quality service, affordable rates, and outstanding service claim service. Located in Hurricane, West Virginia, they have the ability to customize insurance solutions that meet all your needs at a reasonable price. As a, at a reasonable price, visit them at HendersonInsurance.org. So this weekend in Morgantown, <clears throat> really cool weekend. They retired the number. You haven't seen many of these with Ira Rogers, Sam Huff, Bruce Bosley. Now, Daryl Talley. Didn't they retire major this year? Yeah, I thought they was going to do major, no, too. That's, they're doing it. It's, oh, it's not retired. It's officially you can still wear that number. Uh, you have to have the ceremony. Well, they need to have a ceremony for him. Oklahoma State. They're doing oh, okay. it. Okay, I, I thought it was this year. I thought they had already done yeah. it, though. No, it's okay. coming up. But yesterday was Daryl Talley's. First of all, I got a text from the Birdman. He said they need to put some respect, <laughs> some respect on Daryl Talley's name. The damn letters were crooked. They were falling off the wall when they saw, unveiled it. I saw that. I saw the picture of it. Yes, it was. It was. I was does he have any eligibility left? Would he like to play? Hey, Daryl looked like he could still <laughs> he'd give you a few snaps. He was dominant with the Bills for a while. He was really good. He was on them four Super Bowl teams. Yeah, 82 consensus All-American. Uh, he was only the third West Virginia consensus All-American at the time in 1982. Played in four consecutive Super Bowls. Uh, inducted to the College Football Hall of Fame in 2011. And, um, I mean, what, when you guys think about Daryl Talley, what do you guys remember and think? I was too small when he was at WVU, but I remember him in Buffalo, and yeah. they were really, really, really good every single year. It, I mean, they were all – of course, they went to four straight Super Bowls. I've never, they've never – they're the only team to ever lose four. But he was always in the middle of all the chaos whenever it was, their defense was on the field. He was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think the same. I, I, I don't – I didn't even know – uh, Daryl Talley played for West Virginia to probably about five years ago, which is crazy. <laughs> um, you didn't see his picture in the building ever? I, I never did. <laughs> wow. I, I, I never even looked for it, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and you know, once I, once I found out that he played, I'm like, oh, my goodness. He, he, I mean, I remember from the Bills just being freaking just amazing. Not, before we get into Daryl's, uh, we've, we've got his press conference. Uh, I think you guys would, are going to love to hear this, just him talking to the press yesterday, answering a few questions about his career. But I think you just brought up a great point. I think they need a, a teacher, a culture teacher at West Virginia, somebody that talks to the players. I don't know how you walk past his picture. I think people need to educate the players about the history. I'm, 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 it, it amazes me. I mean, and I'm not, it's a, it amazes me that he didn't know that until like 2016. I mean, it j just because – I mean, I obviously knew he played there when I was, like, what, 10. Well, I mean, I know kids come to play, and they don't always know the history, especially yeah. at that point uh, 20 years before. Yeah. But there's got to be some sort of education about the history of what's gone on there. You would, th you would think it would be. I mean and, – and it's just probably my ignorance because – I mean, probably everybody else I played with probably know that. And I'm the only one that didn't because, I mean, I, I – Okay, it makes me feel better. Right. I'm probably the only one that didn't, to be honest with you, because not, not really – you know, my, my head was down. I was focused on, on me. And, and you know, I, I probably – I'm thinking about it now. I had to know that, but I, I just didn't remember. I knew did you Did you have to do anything that – like Anthony speaking no. of, you didn't have to do anything like no. that? Okay. They don't – yeah. They don't, I don't I, – I've never heard of them do anything like that. Um, I just remember Daryl Talley. Well, first of all, I remember the spy, remember he used to wear the Spider Man arms. I, yeah, I remember that. Under this, yes. So under. he would get fined for it every week. He'd wear like the the under the arm, like the under his uniform. It was Spider Man, like like tights, tights oh. on his arms, yeah. and uh, they fined him every week. He just paid the fine. 
Dude was a monster. He was really good. He was he was a very good player. And and I'm going to say this right now. It is a damn shame he's not in the NFL Hall of Fame. And I think if they get one of those Super Bowls, I think more of those guys from those Bills teams would be in. Because well, I think just Jim Kelly's in. There. I mean, well, but think about it, though. Is Bruce Smith in? Oh, he's got to be yeah, in. Bruce yeah. Smith, yeah, he's in. He's, he's got to be in. He's, he, but he was I was thinking ballot. about uh, what's the guy from the Vikings that's in that's – in? And I mean, he was undrafted, and and John Randall, John Randall is in, in a, is is a Hall of Famer, and I'm like, wow, that's how is Dow Telly not? I mean, four straight Super Bowls. I don't even know if if uh, uh, John Randall ever been to a Super Bowl. I don't think he has because he would have been. He would have gone in '98 when they lost Atlanta. Yeah, that's the only one I can. Yeah, but the uh, should, he should be in, in my opinion. But of all the players and all that throughout, you got you only take seven. I mean, a year. That's and with all the players that play, it's man, just hard to take. And Derek, cool. shut up, man. He he should be in. I, I said he should be in. I said he should be in. You're but making I, excuses. Yeah, he put the man in the Hall of Fame. I mean, put some respect. And Birdman said, "I'm telling y'all right now, y'all better put some respect." They they need to issue an apology. That was embarrassing. <laughs> that was embarrassing. It I was embarrassed. It, it, re- it really. Is. I'm not disagreeing with that. It is embarrassing. It, it was just. It was minor league, bush league, bush league. Come on now. Let's get it together. Oh, we should apologize for the game, too. Yeah, that, too. But I'll take the tally apology first. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, here's some of the sound from yesterday's press conference. Uh, Daryl Talley talking about his time at West Virginia. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk some college football. Daryl, I want to take you back to your Morgantown days. Um, you were known as the assassin. And I think you even had a jacket. That's I did. <laughs> do, you know, do you remember who gave you that nickname and where you got the jacket? Uh, because Jack Tatum was one of my idols, and that's what they was calling him because he had just started knocking people out, him and Al Atkinson, for the Raiders. Where'd you pick up that jacket? Um, the Mountaineer Bookstore. <laughs> Picked it up at the bookstore and actually had uh, everything stenciled on it. And everybody looked at me like I was crazy. What? But, yes, I did have that. Did you ever meet Jack Tatum? I have met him once, and that was very early on in my career. Did you let him know that he was uh, Yes, I did. He and Ted Hendricks both. You had a chance to reflect from family you know, about this a little bit from when you heard about this honor. And it means for you, obviously, it's a long string. I'm at the highest one here you know, about what this has meant to them watching you play and you. I don't know what it's meant to them, but I can tell you it's meant the world to me to play in front of them and to have them follow me throughout my career. I mean, I've had my parents and my wife follow me for the longest. I mean, as long as I've been playing, I've been alive, really, to play this game. And I'm just truly happy that it fi- I finally got to as they say, the summit of what it is in college. And that's what I consider this to be, is what the highest honor you can get. And I'm just very proud of it. What was it like coming out of WVU? Was there a combine back then? And were you oh, yeah, there was a combine. <laughs> there, were, there, were, there were three combines, yes. I was invited to all of the combines. Uh, Went to all three of them. One was in Seattle, one was in Tampa, and the other one was in Indianapolis. Did you play in any all 
all-star games like East West or Blue um, Coach Nealon told me to pick out one game, one all-star game, and play in it and play well in it. So I chose the Hula Bowl, and I went to Hawaii, and I played well out there. Um, they tried to get me to come play in a north-south game, but I said no because I was doing what my coach told me to do. He said, play, pick one, play well in it, and you don't have to play in another one. So I took the one in Hawaii and played in it. Um, later on, guys would tell me they wanted to get me in the um, senior bowl to see how I played with the other guys that were the same ilk as myself. So, And I just said, look, my coach told me to pick one, play in one, play well in it, and let the chips fall where they may. I remember at WVU you were a confident guy, but did, did you ever – did you have any doubts or were you confident that you would be a good pro? Maybe reach the level that you reached. I didn't know that I would reach the level that I reached, but as far as somebody being confident in himself and their skill set, yes, I was very confident in my skill set and myself. I knew I could do a lot of different things. I did more things on the field than – most guys playing my position because instead of playing my position, I played all the other positions on the defensive side of the ball except for one, and that was free safety. So, yes, I'd played nose guard, defensive tackle, outside linebacker, defensive end, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, corner, and I lined up at safety. So, yes, I, I, had, I knew I had a unique skill set, and I knew I had confidence in myself when it came time to actually performing and running, because I told a few coaches that. Darrell, what's your thoughts on Morgantown today? It's a little different place than when you were here. Oh, it's a whole lot different place. <laughs> it looks like um, night and day. I mean, when we were here, there, were, there weren't any of the, the grand things that you see now. Um, we were actually playing in the snake pit, where the fans could actually reach over and touch you on top of your head. Um, we had our weight room was underneath the bridge. So we, you, you walked outside out of the weight room and all you seen was the field or that little area in downtown um, Morgantown. So the, the way that the university's grown and the, and the new things that have come about has been truly great. So I'm, I'm happy for these guys to get to play in this. Did you realize at the time how versatile you were, how many different ways they were using it? Because at the time, that was kind of unique. There weren't a lot of those hybrid-type players. I really didn't care. My biggest thing was I wanted to win. And whatever it took to win, I was willing to do. Or if they wanted me to line up and play free safety that down or defensive end that down, I was going to do it if it was going to give us a chance to win. And that's basically the mindset of a lot of the guys that are on our team. That's the way we approached it. We wanted to play. We wanted to win. We wanted to prove to people that we could play with the big boys in the East. And if you really think back to my college playing career, you had two national championships coming out of Independent East, and that was Penn State and Pitt. They had won them in back-to-back years. So we had a lot of competition to play against, and that's really what I think helped me more so than anything is when I got to the next level, I looked at the guys and I said, oh, I played against him already. I already know how to play him. I played against him already. I'm, I, was, I didn't have that, how would you say, fear factor that a lot of young guys have when they go in because I had played against the guys. I was smaller than them at the time. And to t- steal one of Coach Nealon's lines, I had to lift weights and get stronger. And once I did that, 
then those guys became my peers, and then some I, I got even better than. So that's the way I looked at that. Was the turning point for you? I know Don tells a story about the picture of you sleeping on the bench when you were a young player. What what transformed you from that to what you became? What was the turning point? Um, opportunity to play and being put on the field. Um, yeah, I went from sleeping on the field to being a consensus All American to playing in four Super Bowls. Yes, I did do that. I woke up. <laughs> Um, I woke up and actually started to work on my craft and do the things that were conducive for me to win. I mean, I actually lifted weights, which, trust me, my dad told me, he told, he, I still remember this when I was a kid. Son, why are you lifting them iron balls? They ain't going to do you no good. And I said, oh, okay, well, we'll find out. So lifting the iron balls helped me get to the point to whereas I could actually compete and sort of dominate some of the guys that I played against. When we spoke yesterday, you kind of glossed over a story about when you came here, they wanted you to play a different position. And a very famous coach wanted that change. Could you talk tell that story for us? Um, we were here, and I was here in school. Uh, my first year, I got redshirted, and that off season or that s- spring, um, Nick Saban came with me and told me, he said, Daryl, I want you to play safety. I looked at him. I went, I'm not no safety. I don't want to play safety. I'm not doing all that running. That was me. That was my mindset and my thought. And I told him, I said, Coach, I'm not a DB. I'm not a safety. I'm a linebacker. And here it was that I was only 6'1", probably 170 pounds, 146 pounds. And, yeah, it would have been a great spot for me to play, but I was just – Doggett determined that I was a linebacker, not a DB. And he let, he let me go ahead, and he, he stayed on me that whole time. Um, when we would go through winter conditioning, he would say, look, Tally, you're not working. I said, I am, Coach. I'm beating him. He said, you ain't working, no. So, yes, he got on me and, and gave me a little bit of inspiration to be better at what I was doing or not just try and beat the guy I was running against, but actually to work on what I had to do. Coach the safeties? Probably wanted you. He, 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 was, he was a defensive back coach. He coached the safeties and corners. Oh, I hated, I, I hated getting hit. That's why I let my brother play offense. I was not doing that. I was not getting hit. I'd much rather hit you than get hit because I figure I'm in control when I'm hitting you. Everybody, everybody else says, well, I get more glory when I score on you. Yeah, okay, but I'm going to get more glory out of knocking you out in the middle of next week. So that was the way I approached it. I did not want to get hit. I'd much rather be the hitter than a hitty. Your, your pit game is the game you're associated with. And it's 39 years to the day today when you show 39 days. 39 years. What are some of your memories of that game? Some of my memories of that game is I did everything in the game that I could possibly do in order to win it. Um, Before the game, I told my old man on the phone, I talked to him on the phone that week, and I told him, I said, Pop, they're going to put me on national TV. I'm going to be on national TV. He said, yeah, and what you going to do? I said, I'm going to show my butt on national TV. They put me on national TV, I'm going to show my butt. 
And he said, well, don't tell me what you're going to do, son. Go show me what you're going to do. And I never thought any more about it until the game day came. And game day came around, and they snapped, they blew the whistle. How we went to play. And I had been trying to beat my arch nemesis, Dan Marino, for three years prior, and I had done everything I could do on the field to try and beat him, so I had one more shot at it. And at that point in time, I was bound and determined to do it. And we just played. And I, the way the game just unfolded that way, all I remember was I ran after everybody I could find. Anybody I could hit, I hit. Whatever I could do during that game, I tried to do. And I just left it all out there on the field. Darrell, what are some of your reflections on Coach Nealon? Um, I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> personal reflections or anything, any, anything you want to tell us that uh, we haven't heard before? <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard it. I've told a couple people about it, but I was recruited by Frank Signetti and then he got sick, and then they brought in Coach Nealon. Well, we were in Towers. And, you know, here comes his new coach. We're sitting there. We're all sitting there. All of the guys from Ohio were doing what we usually do, sitting aside, sitting together, talking a bunch of garbage. And he comes in, and right away, he kicks Frank Kensel's feet off the uh, chair. Frank was sitting there with his feet up in the chair. And he says, we're not going to have that. I'm looking. Then he comes in, he tells us, all right, I don't care what you guys think. You're my guys now. No matter what, you're my guys. We're going to win. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't know this man. from Ace from Apple Butter. How am I going to believe? Okay, so I'm listening. I'm listening. Listen to the things he told us. What We did what he asked. And we started to listen and started to believe in some of the things that he said. But when he told us we were his guys, and I'm going to myself, I grew up in Cleveland. They ain't going to give you something for nothing. And I knew that. Because my old man said, if somebody gives you something, son, they're going to always want something in return. So I was like, okay, well, what does he want? And then I started listening to him, started believing in some of the things he was saying. I listened to the part where he told me I had to get stronger, and, and I did that. And as an end result, we started to look around and we started seeing the things that he was saying come to fruition. So once they started to come to fruition, we just kept believing and kept doing the next right thing. And that's essentially the way it started. But, yeah, when he got here, it was different because we had all had Coach Signetti, the 77, 78, and 79 class were the three years that I think actually turned West Virginia University around. And those guys, we all put it on the line for each other, and we did what we had to do for each other. There was, it was some scarce times back then. It was a lot of fun. I've got great friends from that. Um, we still talk today. We're still on the group text today, so yes. What goes through your mind these days when you're watching a game, how different defensive play is, whether it be some well, of the rules and tempo? Some of the rules I get, I get that we had to do something to change the game because of some of the issues that guys at the next level are facing. Not that the guys in college don't face those same issues, but they had to do something to change it. Yes, uh, 
I'm a little bit more of a physical type guy. I want to be physical with my guy. I don't want him to be getting free releases and running down the field scot-free, not touched. And that's the hardest part I have with it is that some guys don't use the five yards that they have in which to take, take a shot, sit down, make that guy stutter, make him chop his feet, make the quarterback think. I think we, we need to get back to doing that a little bit more. But as far as for the way they changed the game, I think they did it for the better betterment of it. And it'll help a lot of the guys out probably going down the road as far as the head injuries and stuff like that. But when they did that, they also opened up Pandora's box for guys getting their knees hurt. Because you went from having a whole upper body to hit to having very little space to hit. And if you try running and a guy's running at you and he ducks ducks his head at that point in time, you're gonna ha- you're not gonna be able to help it but to have a head on collision or to hitting in an uncompromising spot. So, you know, there's a lot that's going on with that. Describe the partnership you kind of had with those folks and the partnership. Yeah, Mr. Outside, Mr. Inside. Oh, there's no partnership. That's just the brotherly love that I've had for a long time. Um, True story. And I just looked at him, and I got mad. It's all outdoors. Um, 1978, we got beat by Oklahoma by 52 points. 52 or by 42 points. My dad reminded me of that. Um, we go to play Oklahoma in 1982. I happened to be sick with a 102 degree temperature. I didn't think I was going to play, but I still lined up and went out and played. I'm out there playing, doing the best I can at that particular time. I get to the sidelines to a berating to buy this Mr. Number 50. And he told me, he says, I don't know who you are. Who the hell are you? I ain't never. Wait, where's Daryl at? You going to play? Are you going to do anything today? And he just rode me. And I was like, I'm out here playing with a temperature. I'm sick as a dog. I hurt. All right. F you, I'm coming now. And from that point forward, I went out there and I dove over in the pile. I gave up my body for everything I could do. Anything I could do, I did. And I got tired in the game, and they brought Eddie Hughes in the game. And that's his favorite saying. No shoes, Hughes. He got he came in the game playing, playing outside linebacker, running against the wishbone. He steps up. He gets hit. He gets knocked out of his shoes. He's laying on the floor going, where are my shoes at? Where are my shoes at? The referee comes over, son, we have your shoes. And that started with Dennis. Dennis did that. And he just never let you live anything down. If there was anybody that would be able to poke the bear and get away with it, that's him. He poked the bear. And then he had, a, he had another thing that he would do to people that I used to laugh at. Because I used to laugh at the offensive guards. You think a guy 290 pounds... 280, 3-something, they're going to do pretty good against a 245, 250-pound linebacker. Not when he's knocking them out with a forearm. Yes, I said a forearm. I mean, I've seen him hit people 
with less than three yards in between them, and all you heard was, and they just roll over, just like he'd been shot. So, yeah, that was, for me, to see that just excited me. I wanted, that made me want to hit somebody. That made me want to run and catch somebody to hit. I mean, because he used to tell people, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make you take isolation out of spring ball. And believe it or not, they took isolation out of spring ball. We hey, asked Ron Wolfley, <laughs> um, Big Eddie, ask Bowman. You can ask any of them. They'll tell you, yeah, we took isolation out. Isolation wasn't no fun for them. So, yeah, that that has been perhaps one of the biggest thorns in my back, pains in my ass, that I love to death, that really, really inspired me the way he played. And he wasn't going to let you quit. And that was the other thing that I loved about it. So, yeah, we could be mm, – how do you want to say the odd couple? But, nah, we were much the same. Just somebody that just wanted to knock the other guy's head off and really, really look forward to it. Just sitting here speaking with you, you wouldn't think that you would have the mindset to be such a terror on the field. How did you prepare yourself to get really lathered up to play football the way you did? When I was in college, I didn't, didn't really get too excited. Once I got to the next level, I started to realize that my enthusiasm and the way I played actually got to be better the more outgoing I let myself get. In college, I was just trying to catch as many people as I could catch and hit as many people as I could hit, just trying to beat Dennis to the tackle. That was it. Um... That's about the only way I could answer that, I think. I just really wanted to go after people. At the next level, I learned that I was a better leader than what I had previously thought because I got guys to buy into my way or our way of playing football for each other and not just out there holding a uniform, just being in a spot and playing for a guy and caring about him and wanting to know the best thing for them. So I took that from here to Buffalo with me. And I just so happened to run into a group of guys that had the same type of feeling. Our quarterback was one. Jim Kelly was that way. And, you know, we just wanted to include everybody and have everybody around us be a part of the program. And everybody knew that they were special. You know, we say we're special. We're special in all kind of ways. (laughs) So... Yes, we, we used to tease each other a lot about that. So, but that's it. Don't go anywhere. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. It's Mountaineer football season at Tony the Tailor. Tony the Tailor is the Valley's preeminent men's clothing store. Master Tailor Anthony Perizzino has assembled an extraordinary combination of world-renowned vendors and support staff with one goal in mind, to exceed your expectations. In addition to hand-tailored clothing, Tony the Tailor also sells quality WVU apparel from Johnny O to show your support for the Mountaineers. Use promo code LET'S GO for 20% off WVU apparel at 
at bestmastertailor.com. Get more bank for your business with United Bank. Whether you'd like to start a business, purchase commercial real estate or equipment, United Bank can help. We support business development throughout our great state, making business and consumer loans and fueling opportunities. Small business owners' dreams come true and larger corporations grow. What can we do for your business? United Bank, West Virginia's bank. Proud to be united with the Mountaineers. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. At Warner Law Offices, the best part of our day is getting to hand a client a settlement check, knowing we've helped them get on with their life. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or from a workplace injury, call us. I'm Bobby Warner, and I'm your lawyer. Welcome, stranger. What's up, guys? This is Rashid Marshall, and you're listening to the Touchdown City Podcast. Welcome back to the Touchdown City Podcast presented by Selengo Law. And I hope you guys enjoyed that um, little press conference from Daryl Talley. Some great stories told there. I actually had the opportunity to meet him on Friday. Um, Man, that's crazy. There were like these memorabilia dealers. They had set something up for him. There was like six different dealers from around the country that came. I'll show you the pictures when we finish. Stacks of Daryl Talley jerseys. Like stacks. I bet you he signed 600 pieces, 700 pieces. It was a ton of stuff. Hopefully he got paid. Oh, that, you that, know, what is that called? Uh, they have a they had a dude. He had a guy. They had a guy that came in and pre-counted, and then he had a guy standing there counting every time with a clicker every time he wrote his name. <laughs> What's that? And it was that? What is he that? Said, uh, you, you can, I, you can, NIL. NIL, baby. You can uh, put some – not have no respect on my name, but you're going to respect my paycheck. <laughs> In my name, in my signature. But uh, West Virginia will be taking on Baylor at noon, and this w- later in the week we'll release our prediction show. But if you're going to check out the show or check out the game, make sure you head over to Bar 101 on Capitol Street. That's noon, West Virginia at Baylor. So we actually had um, – we had – oh, listen to Baxter. We've got a pet uh, – we've got a mascot here. Studio mascot. Studio mascot. Um, we got a text from, let's look here. It's a podcast, so dead air. It doesn't matter. Um, looks like Michael Mounts from Garden City Garden City Beach in South Carolina, right outside of Myrtle Beach. He said he wants to know what our thoughts are about hiring a legit offensive coordinator. Would this improve things? And if so, why hasn't Brown done it other than the, other than the fact that he likes to call the plays himself? Do we need an offensive coordinator? You can't have an offensive coordinator when your when your head coach is the offensive coordinator. It's not possible. I mean, you he's not going to bring somebody outside of his hierarchy or his his tree to to do that. I mean, he would just hire somebody internally and and give him a title, and obviously he'll still call the plays. So he's going to live and die with his playbook. I mean, yeah, I sent it out to Derek yesterday. I think. Absolutely, an offensive coordinator is needed. I'm not sure that it would help because if he wants to call the plays, he's going to call the plays. And like Avon saying, what he says, what he says is going to go. But when you're the head coach, you're responsible. You're the CEO of the entire team. You don't have to just worry about offense, defense. You need to worry about everything. I think it would take some pressure off of Brown, Coach Brown, if he would hire an offensive coordinator and let somebody run the offense. But then it comes back to does he trust somebody to do so? But I absolutely think an offensive coordinator is needed because what I've seen with the play calling, it it's not it's not the best. No, no. Just going back to answer 
Do I do I think it's needed? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, that's absolutely. What, that's why I'm um, answering. Well, the question that he asked was, you know, will he hire? No, he's not going to do that. He, I mean, he wouldn't because that's just not. But absolutely, well, I mean, we they need something different. Like what they're doing is not working right. for the last three years. Something's got to change. I agree. And just to keep it short, yes, Michael, he needs an offensive yes, coordinator. Yes, agree, a hundred percent. He needs one. <laughs> uh, some good games around the league this week uh, in Big Twelve play. Baylor over Oklahoma State. Wait. I have that backwards, don't I? Yeah, Oklahoma State Oklahoma beat Baylor. State over Baylor this week. Uh, Iowa State over Kansas, fifty-nine to seven. Oklahoma over K State, thirty-seven thirty-one. Another close one for Oklahoma. It's going to happen. They're going to take one on the chin. Three, I believe that's three weeks in a row they've won by single digits. Yeah, is that is that right? It's it's going to happen, boys. Oklahoma's not. They're not. A, they're not a juggernaut. I mean, they're good enough to beat. You know, bottom of the. I mean, just thinking about what 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 those stats were. I mean, how good is Oklahoma? If I don't want to get into it now. <laughs> and um, and then of course our uh, new member of the Big Twelve uh, going into South Bend, Indiana. Ooh. Not an easy feat. You've played there, absolutely. You know it's not easy to win we there. We were up too. They they were they were inches away, Cincinnati, from blowing Notre Dame off of that field. Right. They were inches away several times. It was seventeen nothing. And they had the ball deep in Notre Dame territory. They missed two field goals. They had a turnover in Notre Dame territory. Now, I know you can say, well, Notre Dame did too, whatever. But it was still at that. I mean, they, they were on the verge of blowing Notre Dame out. And they turned the ball over a couple times. So, for me, what that does is it knocks Oklahoma – I'm sorry, Notre Dame. It puts them behind Cincinnati. Oklahoma's going to lose two games. And now – Cincinnati's going to be knocking on that door. I mean, let's to be get honest. Into the too, Final Four. Oregon lost yesterday. That's big for Cincinnati. And then Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, they all play each other. Penn State and Iowa play this weekend. Florida all, lost too. Florida's out. Yep. Georgia and Alabama will have to play each other. Kentucky will have to play Georgia still. I know they're undefeated. You're going to have it's going to be a war of attrition here. They're going to yeah. they've got a shot. They got to wait 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 their time, but I think Cincinnati's wait just sitting on that porch. And they're waiting for you to go out in the garage. And, they're going to come in and, and they're going to rob you. They're SM, coming. SMU, if they continue to win and happen to play Cincinnati when they're undefeated, they're going to be rated, SMU is. So, I mean, that's a, you know, that'd be Indiana, SMU, and uh, Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. I mean, and you can't say, oh, well, well we, we're going to put this team in ahead of, of Cincinnati because Cincinnati didn't beat anybody. We're going to have to look at who the other team beat, too. I mean, you, you know, if it's a Pac-12 team, who did they really beat? Yeah, it's going to get tough. What do you guys think about uh, the game for me? Because I came back and it was just starting. Uh, Kentucky finally knocking off the Gators in Lexington, first time since 1982. Those are the kind of wins you like to see on yes. television. And, and I had I got a buddy of mine that, that I played with that um, that coaches there. He's the line coach down there, and I mean, I just felt I felt, and I mean, I know the the the, the DB coach for Florida too. So I'm like, man. But I was ha- I was happy for for um, Kentucky, our neighbors. I, I felt I felt like man, I, they, they, and I mean they got a player too. They got they got a guy like Wandell Robinson. Ooh, man, he flies, don't he? Sheesh. They've been recruiting well. I've been watching they, there. Well, he's a transfer from Nebraska. They get some. They get the upper players to like transfer, and you say it's down to Kentucky, so they're getting some it's good SEC. players. It's, it's, yeah, it's SEC. SEC. So. I'm happy for Kentucky. I'm happy to see them get that win. They're five and zero, but let's see how they handle success. LSU's coming in down down there next weekend, coming off a loss, and Kentucky's probably going to debut in the poll. Or I'm guessing around fifteen, ten to fifteen. They're five and zero. 
Yeah, we shall see. Um, should we be playing Kentucky in football? I'd love to see that. I think th- – I think we should. I think we should. I mean, they're they're neighbors. I'd I mean, but you, it's it's just terrible. Like we don't even play Pitt anymore. So yeah, we play yeah. them. We open with Pitt well, next well. But I, I mean, mean, you should play them every year. Every year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I agree. Hey, I want to remind you guys tomorrow. Make sure you're checking out our Facebook feed. We're going to pop up the link or the thread for the Dell Sparks Collection Prediction Game. Predict the score of both teams and closest without going over. They are our winner, and. um the reason why we don't have a winner this week is I forgot to post it. <laughs> I think everybody would have picked West Virginia to win anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think everybody was confident going into that game that West Virginia was going to win. I sure was. I've, I pre- Actually, when I went to check to see the winner, I was like, I don't even know I'm doing this. Nobody picked Texas Tech. Texas Tech. But it wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. but uh, and I, I know why, I know exactly why you didn't do it because you left on, like, Tuesday to go to Morgantown. I'm like, bro, <laughs> what are you doing? He's like, I'm leaving on Tuesday at 8 a.m. I'm like, bro, really? I, I wish I would have gone on Tuesday. I had a good time. Nothing wrong with that. And the weather was nice. That's that's a plus. At least you didn't have to sit there in the rain. The second Texas Tech went for up 14 nothing. I would have been going home. That's I don't, a, you know, I don't sit in the rain, bro. Oh, no. Sorry. If the team don't want to play, I don't want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. We were kind of talking about it, you know, and you talk about fans and bandwagon fans and this and that. So uh, I was talking to David Upchurch. He was leaving. Um, and he said, are you coming up for Iowa State? And I just looked at him and said, I'm not investing any more money. I mean, I already have tickets for Oklahoma State. Yep. But I'm not investing more money to make an effort to come and watch. But I will – I said, if you can get me some free tickets, I will consider it. But I'm not investing money because I've started investing money to go back and sit in the stands. This is the most I've sat in the stands. And And beers are $8, and to watch that sometimes you need about 10 of them. So that's a lot of money to spend. Wait a minute. Hold on. Listen to this. Uh, No, they're pretty tough on you now. Really? So there's a guy that sits in our section, and we call him the coach. Oh, I forgot to remind you about the coach. You were talking about him earlier. Listen to this story. This is great. The coach. And he sits – we sit uh, in the 200s, and we're right on the edge. Where we have, like, seats – I think they're backwards, like backwards, like 30, 29, 28. So, we have the end seats. And um, so, the guy in the section next to, next to us, he – every play. Like, yesterday there was a play. Letty Brown got the ball, ran left. Dude had him around the hips, drug him down after, like, a four-yard gain. Damn it, Letty Brown! You got to learn how to break those ankle tackles. <laughs> a couple plays later, I mean, but every play, oh, Neil Brown, that's a terrible call. Then there was a play where Daggy dropped back and had to scramble and ran for four yards. Neil Brown put in Garrett Green. He would have ran that one to the house. I mean, every single, you should have went left. What are you running right for? I mean, so we call him the coach. Oh. I would, I would, I see. That's why I don't, I don't like watching games with people. I, I can't, I can't. Like that to me just drives me insane. Like what I say, what I say there a couple of weeks ago. Fans want ten plays, eight hundred yards, ten eighty yard oh. drives, and seven t- ten touchdowns, seventy points, he and a was, shutout. He was wearing me out yesterday. And then the the later the game got, he was he started one. He was slurring, and two he started kind of. Wave like he was waving. He was right? wavy. He was wobbly. He's, and I he looked was down, and I bet you there was thirty beer cans between Good him and his wife. Him. 
Good for him. Man, but eight bucks a pop, bro. I mean, hey, 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 ain't nothing. It's only money. Well, I mean, the coach, I mean, he makes $3 million. He's sitting in the stands. He's right. Getting, he's getting right. his money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting his money's worth. Coach makes the coach. Million. Coach, I'll see you here in a couple of weeks. I can't wait to hear your <laughs> your, your analysis of the, of the football game in a couple of weeks. Uh, if you want to, guys, well, let's, let's cut it short. And then um, don't forget, download the show on Wednesday. We'll give you our predictions for Baylor. But I want to remind you guys, if you want to support the show, go over to the merchandise site, touchdowncity.com. Right now we've got a Texas long sleeve shirt that reads horns down. And I want to tell our listeners, use the promo code SUGARBOWL15. So here in November, I've got an event coming up where I'm going to be going over to the Davis Child Shelter and also some kids from the Cross Lanes Y. We're going to support some families over there. So I'm having an event in November for the West Virginia Oklahoma, wait, West Virginia at Kansas State game. And um, But if you can't make it and want to support the efforts, use the promo code SUGARBOWL15. Not only will you get 15% off of the shirt, we're going to take $10 for every shirt and put it towards the cause. So go to touchdowncity.com, get the long sleeve horns down shirt, and um, use the promo code SUGARBOWL15. Get your 15% off and $10 towards the effort. Is this the year? That we win at one of those events? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is this the year? Man, I don't know. I think our record is like 4 and 20. Good We've Lord. been having events for t- t- this is the 11th year. We struggle at those things. <laughs> <laughs> one year, one year we lost to um, – well, one year, the very first party we had when we launched, the, launched it, it was we played UConn and we lost. Oh, that was with goodness. Bill Stewart. Oh, my goodness. And then we've lost to some really bad teams over the years. Huh. Yeah. And we got curb stomped in a few bowl games. Uh, but hey, it's for the kids, man. You can take your choices in bowl <laughs> games. There's been several of those. It's for the kids, man. It's, it's for, for the kids. This it's, this is gonna be the year, though. This is gonna be the year. Yeah, I mean, oh, we won the Cactus Bowl. What is that? The one that was out in Arizona that yeah. ended at like four Two in the morning. Yeah, we couldn't even hardly stay up for uh, that. I yeah. made it, but man, whew. yeah, we've won a few, just a couple. But again, it's this will be our eleventh year doing it. Um, you know, I started off with just doing kids at the Davis Child Shelter. And then I got in touch with the folks at the Cross Lanes. Why we're gonna, they're gonna put together a list of families, and we're gonna support them. So uh, come on out. We're gonna have some great stuff. I'll, I'm hoping to announce the, the couple of the special guests. I've been in touch with some guys, talking back and forth. Um, just to kind of give you a clue, one of them has an agent. So I, oh. you know, I hate dealing with agents Meh. because they want they don't understand. I'm trying to do something for kids, but I get it. But um, and then another guy doesn't have an agent, but he's. Not quick to respond. So <laughs> he's responded. He's not quick. So hopefully by next week I'll have um, I'll have uh, an, a, a guest announced. But uh, we're going to have some cool stuff. The auction uh, got some stuff from Daryl Talley this weekend. He he signed a couple mini helmets. Um, Steve Slayton's going to send some stuff in. I got to get back in touch with Pat White. Um, I ran out of stuff in him, but I already found. I got pictures from AZ. A lot of cool stuff. If you're a Mountaineer fan, you like that kind of stuff. There's some cool. Options. Touchdown City Podcast is produced by Anthony Lewis in partnership with HD Media, the Charleston Gazette Mail. Get your Touchdown City Podcast merchandise by visiting touchdowncity.com.